It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Miami Dolphins are back to work this week in preparations for the 2023 season, courtesy of OTAs. And we heard from several members of the organization, including Mike McDaniel yesterday. Here's what they had to say here today on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Thursday, June 1st, 2023, a.k.a. Pro-Rated Dead Money Day in the NFL. So happy Pro-Rated Dead Money Day to all who celebrate, including your Miami Dolphins, who finally get the Byron Jones money off the books here in just a couple hours. 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Dolphins will see that salary cap space clear, and then magically the Dolphins will be amongst the leaders in salary cap space for the 2023 offseason. Of course, what they use that money for, we will ultimately find out. Wouldn't expect anything between now and 4 o'clock. It is about noon on Thursday, June 1st, and we are getting caught up with all of the transcripts and the questions that were faced by Dolphins players throughout the course of the day yesterday. And, of course, lest we forget, head coach Mike McDaniel, who was asked about a slew of things as well. And I wanted to start with Mike McDaniel on today's episode of Locked On Dolphins because, in typical Mike McDaniel fashion, uh, he spared no expense on the questions that he was asked. And I thought he was asked a number of compelling questions by the beat that was in attendance at OTAs. And Uh, Tip of the cap for them for some thought-compelling questions. So let's start with this. Mike McDaniel was asked in regards to who on the roster he feels can compete for the Mike Gusecki type of role as far as a seam threat at that size, someone who can block in the red zone and can catch. Who on this roster do you think can compete to fill that role in the coming weeks? And it wasn't what Mike McDaniel did or didn't say. It was the perspective that he brought to it that I thought was appropriate. Um, Here's what he had to say. There's some opportunities within the offense to put your imprint on your career and for this team. I wouldn't say it's just tight ends, but it's really all the skill receivers. There's a lot of competition. Really, it's the head coach of the team I'm most excited to see who wins it because it is as organic as anyone could make it. There's several capable candidates to catch some balls and be an impactful part of this team. And I would say that all the offensive skill positions and the proof is in the pudding, you go out there and practice, there's a good amount of talent. For me to say that I know who that's going to be would be thinking ahead of putting the cart ahead, uh, putting the cart before the horse. And he had trouble thinking that up, and then naturally there was some uh, clever quip about getting that phrasing offered to him. He said, I think there's a lot of young players, some veterans, that recognize the opportunity you're really going for. it, And... As is the case, we've heard the phrase several times now, rising tide raises all ships. 
right? And the competition that the Dolphins have spurred for complementary roles within this offense. It is one of the most improved areas of the roster, in my mind, is the complementary depth. Brought back the running backs from last year, but then they added Devon A. Chain in the third round. They brought back their star wide receivers in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They brought back Cedric Wilson, but then they bring in Chosen Anderson, and they bring in Braxton Berrios, and they bring in Tanner Connor as a second-year player who they really invested in and kept on the roster all year last year. You draft Elijah Higgins, you bring in Tanner Connor, or you bring in uh, Eric Saubert, you bring in Tyler Croft, who we also heard from yesterday. Like, no, none of these players are going to be 120 target a year players, and but you don't need them to be. And the competition, he's absolutely right. You got a lot of dudes that can catch some footballs. You got a lot of dudes that can win in different ways. Guys that can win out of the backfield, guys that can win in the slot, guys that can win down the field. I'm excited for that competition. I think the ceiling, and we're probably a little bit spoiled uh, from a fantasy football perspective. We love talking about catches and receptions and touchdowns. I want the guys catching the balls and scoring touchdowns to be your best players, your Tyreek Hills and Jalen Waddles. I want those guys to get as many as they can. Now, if everybody behind them in the pecking order gets two or three throughout the course of the season, you're going to have a really well-balanced offense. He's right. The organic nature of the competition and what they have done in the peripheral rep weaponry within the offense is not lost on me. Uh, and I, I think it's exciting. He was asked about the Dolphins' volume of OTAs as well, and I, I think this is a really good example of why Mike McDaniel is the coach that he is to all the players. The Dolphins are one of four or five teams around the league that is doing six OTAs as compared to the maximum allowed of 10. Why is that? Mike McDaniel said this, a lot of things factor into it. I think by that by and large, players, coaches, people in general do best when why is explained to them in this particular situation. I think that is, it is crucial that we have as convicted, present, deliberate football players when they're approaching practice and really recognizing how every opportunity is crucial for the development of the team. I think when you're able to acknowledge players' hard work, they get positively reinforced with actual action. I think it goes a long way. They are afforded less practices because they have earned it because of the way that they have approached the whole offseason. My standards for preparation are pretty high, and they have recognized that and really heeded to the expectation across the board. I think in those types of circumstances, everyone benefits with a little bone here or there. Players coach, right? You hear everybody talk about Mike McDaniel being so authentic and one of the guys and cool and not one of these uh, real stern jawed NFL coaches like so many of the old school guys and the, the typical uh, cliche and trope of what an NFL head coach, be it the guy up over my right hand shoulder here in Don Shula or Bill Cower or Bill Belichick, all those guys, right? Very stern. McDaniel's a different breed, but he's a different breed for today's athlete. And the fact that the players earned it in his eyes I think it's super promising for the players recognizing the opportunity that is in front of them this season. Now, they still have to go out and do it. But at the end of the day, the fact that the team was rewarded to have more time ahead of when the rubber really meets the road in August for them to spend with their loved ones or do the things that they want to do because the sweat equity has been put in, I think it only helped. I want to get into a couple more 
items uh, with Mike McDaniel, but before we do, uh, now is the perfect time to make a fast break over to FanDuel. FanDuel, America's number one sports book. No cu- new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $2,500 with their first bet with FanDuel. That's first uh, first bet, no sweat, $2,500. Usually this thing's 1000 So you're getting 250% your no-sweat first bet as your first bet with FanDuel. There's no better place to get in on all of the playoff action than America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get that no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So Mike McDaniel kind of got into it with the Miami Heat, Eric Spolstra, uh, what he was able to observe, in going to all of the other events across South Florida. And that's a pretty cool subplot as the Heat tonight face the Nuggets in game one, and then in two days the Panthers will kick off the Stanley Cup final against uh, the Las Vegas Knights. Here's hoping South Florida uh, can add some championship hardware. Uh, and obviously that that opportunities for Mike McDaniel to be floating around that team, those teams and attending the home playoff games and seeing the environment and seeing this um, this town really is something that I think ups the ante for the Dolphins. But what he really said, it came courtesy of Mark, Marquez uh, Luis Jacques. And he was asked about South Florida feeling like home. And Marcel, to his credit, had stated, they say that the human brain moving and starting a new job are two of the five most stressful events that you can go through. And he was asked in the follow-up to that question if there was a moment in his mind that he was able to stop and realize this is home. And I think this is, this is the magnitude of what South Florida is experiencing right now as a sports town to have your basketball team and your hockey team playing for championships and the Dolphins with the expectations that they have. Mike McDaniel's response, a moment in his mind where he stopped and realized that this is home. It's hard not to feel that way with the amount of support. I've said in the past, I didn't really know the strength of South Florida fans and really the sleeping giant that I kind of walked into. And I started to feel it in training camp. By the time of the first home game, it was hard not to feel at home when so many people are supporting you. I've moved my whole life, so that's old hat, but I specifically remember leaving the stadium after the first game, that game against the Patriots last year, week one, and being like, wow, this is a great place to live and do my job. So I'm going to fight tooth and nail while you guys try and kick me out, and I'm a fighter. Dolphins fans in general have been slept on by the league because we've experienced a lot of misfortune, a lot of hard breaks, 
And there's an emotional defense mechanism that's involved there uh, where you protect yourself from getting heartbroken by your team again, right? That's part of sports fandom in general. But um, to see the ball start rolling downhill for South Florida in the magnitude in which it has over the course of what the Dolphins were able to start last year but couldn't quite finish the championship and the Florida Panthers last year as well. Winning the President's Trophy, having the best record in the NHL. The Heat making their second finals appearance and third Eastern Conference finals appearance in four years. An opportunity to finish what you started and have the breakthrough. It was really interesting. I've kind of had this parallel living in the Mid-Atlantic and living outside of Philadelphia. And there was a stretch where the Eagles won the Super Bowl, the Phillies had a lot of success, and the Flyers were playing in late-season, postseason games. And then you think about all of the success that Boston has had in the city for such a strong amount of time. And then like Atlanta breaks the championship curse and the Georgia Bulldogs win two college football playoffs and the Braves win a World Series for the first time since 95. This stuff is kind of cyclical and it feels like the the energy and, and the, the ante gets upped by the other teams locally. And if the ante is going to get upped for the Dolphins based off of what the Panthers and the Heat are doing right now, and if the Dolphins are able to follow through and up the ante on their own, if Mike McDaniel thought the fan base was crazy last year, just wait. And I, I think you're going to be in a position to, to see that materialize. And uh, there will not be this narrative for much longer. or The, the, the narrative will be greatly um, inaccurate, which I think it has been in general. For all the times that I've traveled to South Florida for Dolphins games, the people who go to Dolphins games are the most passionate fans I've been around. And with success, we'll bring more of those people back to this team that they've loved and not be afraid to emotionally invest themselves in and root for it. And I hope that the Panthers and the Heat can start that process. So go out and win. Go out and win. Uh, we're going to talk about Tyler Croft, who spoke with the South Florida media as well. Uh, he was asked what his reasoning was for picking South Florida to come play. Uh, Tyler Croft said this, we made it pretty known that if we didn't sign somewhere in the first few days of free agency that we were going to wait to see how the draft shook out or my agent and I and family thought we would get the good op- the best opportunity to play. I know we have a good tight end in Durham Smythe has been here for six years, but I know there are some younger guys in the room, familiarity with the system, being with the Jets for the last two seasons and the 49ers, Seemed like it would be a nice, smooth transition into an offense, so all of those things played a factor. Tyler Croft was kind of a forgotten name uh, as a tight end, and it's hard hard to get playing time when you're playing in the same tight end room as George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk's in the offense, and San Francisco rotated tight ends, and he got some snaps. But uh, the familiarity of the offense, uh, I think, certainly does fast-track Tyler Croft for probably being a bigger signing from a snap perspective standpoint that we, we probably anticipate on surface level. And I know I did the deep dive on his film, and I really like what we saw. So I do think that, that he picked well to choose Miami based on the youth in the tight end room. I was asked about this offense and the rules and responsibilities that come with it. Croft said, I love it. Always took pride in being a three-down guy, excelling in the run game in the pass game. This is an offense that asks a lot out of its tight ends. It gives you an opportunity to do both, which I really like. Uh, He also acknowledged 
that he still thinks he can do some things well in the passing game. Uh, going into year nine, he's, he acknowledges he's viewed as more of a blocker now, uh, but he still tries to take pride in being able to do it all, uh, never putting himself in a box to say he can do one thing, can't do one thing or another. I would agree with the perception that his strength right now is as a blocker. But in this offense particularly, delayed releases, underneath, shallows, sit routes, make yourself available for the quarterback. There is an inherent underneath value. You're never going to be a big-time chain mover. You're never going to be a big chunk play guy. But if you could be reliable and target with soft hands underneath against zone coverage, which the Dolphins are going to see a ton of because of the speed that they have, you can be a reliable outlet, and hopefully the quarterback play finds the outlets more frequently to ensure that there's health at the quarterback position. So being a reliable receiver, particularly underneath, is an inherent value for this Dolphins offense. And the last thing that he was asked during his availability was the thing that I appreciate the most. It comes back to a player that we already mentioned here in George Kittle. And uh, earlier in his media availability, Tyler Croft had said that he and Durham Smythe had met for the first time at Tight End U, which is kind of the tight end summit that is put on by Kittle and Kelsey. And he's asked, what's one thing Kittle told him or he observed about George Kittle that really held him as a tight end? And here's what he said. The rack. Like when you catch the ball, something that is just so simple that I didn't really think about, and seeing him when we would just do routes on air, making a move or a double move, then getting in your mind that you're taking the ball to the end zone every time you get it, not just doing the drop step. The drop step is good, but taking that drop step to the next level. So that was something I've been trying to do here and show the guys as well. And that's the cool thing about what Kittle and Kelsey are doing with tight end. You obviously Mike Gusecki was at that event last year as well. Um, and then what Teron Armstead does with O-line masterminds is the, the players teaching the craft, right? And, I think any time that you can get extra coaching points pulled from, obviously, Mike McDaniel. Um, your tight ends coach was the tight ends coach in San Francisco and is your assistant head coach, worked with Kittle. But to get the players as further reinforcement, and those are the players that actually physically do the tools and techniques that are, are being exchanged in these events, I think it's really neat that there's that level of pride of doing the craft within your own respective position, and it really underscores kind of the brothership of football. So um, some good insight from Tyler Croft. And then we also heard from Cedric Wilson, uh, who was asked about a couple of different things here as well, and that's what we're going to close with here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Cedric Wilson was largely asked about last season, which I thought kind of stunk, right? Because everybody knows Cedric Wilson signs the contract and then Tyreek Hill becomes available and the Dolphins trade for him. And it's not an ideal situation, but like if you apply hindsight being 2020, like everybody probably would like a mulligan on that one. 
but you can't possibly hold the expectation that anyone was going to expect the turn of events that happened. And Cedric Wilson kind of, uh, I appreciated his attitude about the whole thing. He was very matter of fact about being asked about last year and the opportunities and this year. And he said, look, I'm here. So I want to be here. I want to make the most of the opportunity. I'm going to make the most of all the opportunities that are afforded to me. And I do feel like your ideal window for moving Cedric Wilson has probably closed. If it was going to happen, it was probably going to happen pre-draft and, and the Cowboys going out and get getting Brandon Cooks probably slammed the door shut on your best opportunity for a big ROI or, or a reasonable ROI. So there's an argument to be made that, well, the Dolphins right now, especially now that the Byron Jones money has opened up, who do you want to pinch to sign? Like, who, who are you hard-pressed to find salary cap space right now to add to the mix? Are you going to extend Zach Sealer and use some of the money for that? Are you going to extend Christian Wilkins and front load the first year of the deal so you don't need to prorate the money so you have a softer hit in 2024? Are you going to go out and trade for somebody? Are you actually going to sign a few free agents? Because if you are, then yeah, use the money. But you've got like, you've opened up now, you're almost at $15 million in cap space. Nobody's going to eat that kind of cap space that you're going to acquire in a single player acquisition right now. The market, like those guys are off the market, period. They're gone. And that was always kind of the challenge of the timing of the post-June 1 cut. So unless you end up eating all that back up, the question is, well, is the insurance policy of Cedric Wilson being a viable target in this passing game not more valuable to us than clearing up an additional $8 million in cap space? I'm inclined to think the answer is Yes, he's more valuable to you than he would be in a trade to get nothing for him unless there's a player-for-player player swap. And we'll see if they can facilitate that. Maybe they can. But I, I would be surprised. And I appreciated his, his attitude about the whole thing of, look, I, I told my agent, don't bother me with that. When I'm here, I'm working. So don't bother me with it. Just let me know what's going on. So now that we're in this stage of of the offseason, that's kind of where my expectations are. I expect we'll see Cedric Wilson be here. Uh, not to say that if they don't find a trading partner for something viable or if he's not a pot sweetener for something else the Dolphins are interested in, that, that he's not capable of being moved. And obviously from a Dolphins perspective and salary cap perspective, there would be uh, financial benefits of that that would include potentially rollover cap for 2024 as well. But if you're being honest with yourself about gearing up to make a run and having as good of a roster as you possibly can, the avenues in which Cedric Wilson being off the roster giving you a better roster now, post-draft, especially with the other money that you now have available, are significantly less in my mind. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Dolphins. I hope you guys enjoyed this jaunt through some of the media availabilities at OTAs for the 2023 Miami Dolphins. Kyle Krabs, your host, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Shout out to the everydayers who keep it plugged in on a daily basis. Hope to see you back here on the channel again soon. We're going to be back with more Dolphins talk before you know it. So hit subscribe, come on back and see us. And until then, fins up. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.